New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Well, hello, New Vision. My name's Todd Briner. I'm the student pastor and online pastor here, and today we're going to be talking about the construction of the Ark of the Covenant. And I don't know if you're like me. I've been kind of fascinated with the Ark of the Covenant ever since, as a little boy, I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark with my grandfather. I can remember the search for that with Indiana Jones and just the adventure that went along with that movie. And then at the end, when they tried to open up the Ark and just the incredible scene that they portrayed on film. Now, as that grown, the fascinations continued whenever there's a documentary or a special about where the Ark of the Covenant may be or what happened to the Ark. I always want to check it out. But today we're going to look at something about the Ark that I think is probably more fascinating than where it is, even more fascinating than how it was built or what it was built of. But we're going to look at kind of some of the contents in, in, in historical context what that really meant about God and what he was saying about the covenant he was making with his people. So just to give you guys a heads up, an ark, if you're not aware, is a box. It's a box. Noah's ark was also a box. It was a box that was able to float. So it's square or rectangular. So turn with your Bibles to Exodus 37 verses 1 through 16, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Verse 1, next, Bezalel made the Ark of Acacia Wood, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. He overlaid it inside and outside with pure gold, and he ran a molding of gold all around it. He cast four rings and attached them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Then he made poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He inserted the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to carry it. Then he made the ark's cover, the place of atonement from pure gold. It was 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. He made two cherubim from hammered gold and placed them on two ends of the atonement cover. He molded the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all one piece of gold. The cherubim faced each other and looked down on the atonement cover with their wings spread above it. They protected it. Then Bezalel made the table of acacia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches high. He overlaid it with pure gold and ran a gold molding around the edge. He decorated it with a three-inch border all around, and he ran a gold molding along the border. Then he cast four gold rings for the table and attached them at the four corners next to the four legs. The rings were attached near the border to hold the poles that were used to carry the table. He made these poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. Then he made special containers of pure gold for the table, bowls, ladles, jars, and pitchers to be used in pouring out liquid offerings. So we are talking about the construction of the ark and the table. But I want to focus on the ark. And in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews tells us 
what was in the ark. It says in that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant. We talked about the room that's the Holy of Holies, the place where the high priest was to go once a year. So it's the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. The covenant, the agreement between God and his people, or the agreement that God had with the Israelites. So it contained three things, the manna, the staff, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and two sewn tablets of the covenant. Now, here's where I found some fascinating things out about the ark and some fascinating things out that maybe in that culture they would have understood, but we probably miss. And since we're missing it, we're missing out on something amazing that it teaches us about God and their relationship with him, but also our relationship with him. And so God seems to be asking Moses to follow some ancient customs where two kingdoms or two countries or kingdoms or two different peoples would make a treaty or a covenant with each other. What they would do is each country would place a copy of the covenant that was made in an ark and they would place it in their holy place. So the country that was uh, the bigger kingdom, maybe the more successful kingdom, the greater kingdom, and the lesser kingdom would take a copy of the covenant they made, the two copies, and they would place them in an ark, in a box, in their holy place, in their place of worship at the foot of their God, which we know for many of those other countries, it was all little g-gods, idols. And so they would put it in their place of worship. And it was a way of remembering the agreement between the two kingdoms. So they would place those boxes in the place of worship in each kingdom. Now here's what's interesting. In Israel, both copies, the stone tablets, are in one ark at the feet of God himself in the Holy of Holies. So both copies are in one ark. And here's what it's saying. It's a way of saying that God himself is going to be the covenant keeper. See, when you have a two kingdoms make a treaty, it's, it's an agreement on both sides. It's agreement for each person. Each person has a responsibility to keep their end of the bargain or their end of the treaty or the covenant, the agreement. But with God, he's saying that the covenant isn't based on you. The covenant is based on on me. It's saying that the relationship we have is with God because of God and that he is upholding the treaty or the covenant by his grace. It's really in the same way that we experience salvation today. I don't know if you know this, but your salvation is not based on you and what you've done. It's not based on me and what I have done, rather, the agreement of salvation is based on Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross and based on Jesus alone. Let me try and explain it to you. See, some people will say something like this. 
works equal salvation. That based on the good things we do, based on the good acts we commit, we can earn that salvation or that relationship with God. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it like this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And so what it's saying is that our salvation is not based on our works, that it's a gift of God, and it's not something from ourselves. It's from God. And so if you were to change the equation from works equals salvation, and based on Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you would come up with this, the equation faith equals salvation. And while this is true, it's not entirely complete. Look at what it says in James 2.17 from the ESV version. It says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Is dead. And so what it's saying is that if there's not works somewhere, do you really have true faith? If there's not some sort of evidence, if there's not some sort of change or transformation in your life, do you really have true faith? And then you could come up with this equation. And I think this is an equation that many people have wrongly thought is what equals salvation. You get the equation. Faith, putting your faith and trust in Jesus, plus works equals salvation. That if I have faith and I do some good things, then that earns me salvation. But remember the Ark of the Covenant. Both copies were at the feet of God. Both copies were at the, in the Holy of Holies in the Ark of the Covenant saying God is the keeper. So let's look back at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no man can boast. So it's, we're saved by grace, through our faith, not something we did ourselves, and not because of our works. But look at what it says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so here's the proper equation. Here's the proper equation from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 and 10. 2, 8, 9, and 10. Is that faith, yes, faith equals salvation. We're saved by faith, entirely based on what Jesus has done on the cross. Just like the ark contained both copies of the covenant, because the relationship that Israel had with God was based on him and his grace. We are saved by our faith in God, our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross by his grace. But listen, because of that grace and because we've experienced salvation, it should produce good works in our lives. Just like it said, for we are God's workmanship, meaning we're his children 
transformed by his grace, full of his Holy Spirit. And because of that, we are created in Jesus for good works. So what's the proper equation? It's faith equals salvation plus works. Because when you truly have salvation, when you truly have faith, you truly have salvation. And when you truly have salvation, that salvation will produce good works in your life. So today, as you're finishing listening to this podcast, just remember that our relationship with God is based on His grace. And I want to tell you this from myself. Thank the Lord that that's the case. Because there's nothing that I do that I can earn it. But God gives us such grace and such love. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you that my relationship with you is not based on me and what I do, but it's based on you and what you've done. And I want to pray, Lord, because of that salvation I have and that so many of these listeners have, that we would continue to just be your workmanship and we would produce those good works because of the great salvation we've experienced. God, I just pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.